Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. Welcome to the JB Font channel. I am your host, James Fauntleroy. It is so good to see all of you here on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon. As usual, today is January 17th, 2023. So good to see all of you guys here with me today. Now, the JB Font channel is available on all major podcast platforms like Anchor, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, so you can subscribe to me there. I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network. You can subscribe there, and you can also see me on the JB Font channel. I'm sorry, the JB show on Sundays at 1, as well as RBN Live on Tuesdays at 4. And the Savvy and JB show on Thursdays at 6. If you are new to the channel, please make sure to hit the subscribe button as well as the thumbs up. And thank you to all the patrons on Patreon as well as Coffee. And thank you to all the members and all the people who keep the lights on via various platforms through mutual aid as well. As per usual, I will always get to the comments after my guest but in for the sake of time i want to make sure that i get to my guest right now uh and if you are ready <laughs> good to see you my guest with me today is a very special guest i am honored and privileged to have from the african people's socialist party miss akile anai who is the director of agitation and propaganda with the african people's socialist party Yahuru movement. So good to see you, Miss Akile. It is so great to be here, JB. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited for this discussion we're going to have today. So, definitely, definitely. Now, for my audience, um, can you please give us just a quick rundown of what the African People's Socialist Party movement or the organization is and what the Ahuru movement is and why it's so important for our communities today. Yeah, the African People's Socialist Party was founded by Chairman Amalia Shetela uh, in 1972. And it was founded with the mission to complete the Black Revolution of the 1960s. And uh, if we take a look at that period in history where uh, the Black Revolution certainly was something that was uh, gaining momentum here in this country, in the U.S., and in various places throughout the world as revolution was the main trend, the U.S. government um, came in and militarily, ideologically assaulted and destroyed uh, that movement um, and the organizations that were you know, leading the political charge. And mm -hmm. so um, from the ashes of that defeat, uh, Chairman Amalia Shetela and uh, two other organizations based in Florida uh, came together and formed uh, the African People's Socialist Party. And our objective, as you know, stated to complete the Black Revolution in, and, you know, and to win and unite African people all throughout the world to free Africa sure. and African mm -hmm. people. Um, and the broader Uhuru movement uh, is under the leadership. It's the uh, various iterations of the African People's Socialist Party um, throughout the world through different mass organizations, campaigns, and institutions. And um, it is internationally based. Uh, we have, you know, uh, organizational presence in uh, almost every continent um, on the planet. 
And so, um, you know, uh, like the Garvey movement of, you know, really working to, you know, be that massive um, in terms of, you know, uh, the size and level of organization and things like that. So um, and carrying out that work uh, that Marcus Garvey uh, started that the FBI uh, in mm -hmm. the, the 1920s and the U.S. government was a part of crushing as well. So um, it's that history, that continuum uh, that we continue to pursue and yeah. we won't stop until it's won, until we're free. Understood. Thank you so very much for that rundown, that synopsis of what it is. I, I, I wanted people to know exactly what it is so that they get a really good purview of why this is so important. And as my audience knows quite well, is that a lot of liberation movements, particularly black or African liberation movements here in the United States, they were targeted by the FBI. Really, the FBI's are just tools of the oligarchs, of the the rulers, the capitalistic rulers of this, of really the Western Hemisphere. And so they see any type of movements like this as a threat to their power. And so because of this, we have seen ones who were either in prison, incarcerated, or they were murdered, assassinated by the apparatuses that were constructed really by these movements. For instance, you have, and, and I'm reading her book on my channel, Miss Asada Shakur. She was also targeted by the, the same apparatuses. Needless to say, we just had Martin Luther King Day yesterday. He was targeted Let's remind people that he was targeted by the FBI and also sent a letter to off himself. I got to be very careful with my language, but he was sent a letter threatening him as well as Fred Hampton was murdered by the Chicago PD and FBI because of him wanting to bring more of a African liberation socialist movement to this country, to really to the West. And so... This is one of the reasons why this is such a large, a huge deal. Now, back in July, there was a raid by the FBI. Now, a lot of times this raid actually got eclipsed by the FBI raid on uh, former President Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago, Florida. But about a week, a week and a half before this happened, there was an FBI raid on the Uhuru House here, not too far from me, where you were located in St. Petersburg, Florida, as well as in Missouri, was it, it was uh, St. Louis, Missouri, correct? Yes. So it was in St. Louis, Missouri, as well as in St. Petersburg, Florida. And they really on the false grounds of Russian collusion. Can you expound on that, please? Yes. And um, I think what you also said about uh, the this raid on our movement being eclipsed by, you know, the the one that uh, took place at uh, former U.S. President Trump's home um, yes. is also really important to note uh, because there is a, a distinct type of violence and brutality imposed on black people uh, mm. for, you know, the struggle that we're engaged in. True. And so on July 29th, we were woken up by flashbang grenades. And assault rifles, drones, armored vehicles in, you know, in impoverished sectors of these uh, cities. So in Northside St. Yeah. Louis and in Southside St. Pete, these are historically African communities. 
And um, so this is the type of violence that we were met with. Um, Chairman Amalia Shatella had lasers pointed at his chest from assault rifles coming out of his home. They were handcuffed, even though they weren't being arrested, handcuffed and, um, you know, told to sit on the curb, which they didn't do. But, you know, all of this is is the things that are used to intimidate, you know, our people and and things like that. So that's this is what happens on July 29th. And as you mentioned, um, mm -hmm. uh, the explanation that we would receive um, is because they are issuing an, an indictment on um, a man in Russia and uh, saying that this organization is 50 year old organization and um, even more insulting, the 81 year old chairman Amalia Shatella are pawns of the Russian government, uh, which on the basic level makes an assumption, the uh, insinuation that black people are too stupid to know that we are oppressed and, and to organize and chart our own future. So, you know, this is the explanation. And of course, that's not new. The Russia thing, you know, that's not yeah. um, they, they targeted, you know, some of the forces you mentioned uh, just now were targeted with the, the accusation of Russia. W.B. Du Bois, Paul Robeson and countless others, you know, all targeted at, by the FBI and Russia being used as the cover to make war on black people, because that's what's happening. War is being made on black people by the U.S. government, but they can't explicitly say that. So they have to say it's black people working on behalf of Russia. So we're actually, you know, going for Russia. So this is, um, you know, you've already uh, you said it yourself. It's just bogus, you know, uh, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's very serious what it is that uh, they are attempting to charge us with. And the attack that was made on us is very serious and, you know, re reminiscent of, you know, the attacks made on our movement in the 60s. And Fred Hampton, you mentioned a Chicago, there was a pre-dawn raid, 4 a.m. in the morning. They come in and your most vulnerable state. And they did, they did it 5 a.m. in St. Louis and 6 a.m. in St. Petersburg, Florida. And they stole our laptops. They stole our phones. They stole hard drives, like, you know, archive materials, all kinds of files and records. They stole that. They still have all of that stuff. Never, you know, turned back, turned over our um, resources. So, you know, this is, you know, what I can say about that day and, you know, um, uh, just some of the things that, you know, I don't want to go too far. So, um, but yeah. Of course. Well, of course. And here's the, here's the crazy part is that the work that you do in the community, because I want you guys to speak on this, because I want to speak on the importance of what you're doing in the community, because just recently, uh, and you and you mentioned this in the press conference that you had at the time, was that you guys were also trying to do uh, uh, practice for doulas, for, for helping women to, Black women, to have more safe births, so yeah. that because we all know that the mortality rate for infants, especially black mothers, is a lot higher. I think it's three times higher in, the, in this country than it is for white women. And so the fact that you want to preserve and help for black women who are or black persons who are giving birth, then you're actually trying to assist in that, not to mention feeding people and other different community programs, which I'm part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network, and we're trying to build chapters here as well. We're trying to get into that work as well. So it just shows, it's like, what threat, truly what absolute threat does the Ahuru movement, does the African People's Socialist Party pose to the government that makes them look at you and want to do an FBI raid with flashbang grenades 
and pointing assault rifles at you. It's like, why do they deem you as a threat? And, you know, that, that I think that question is multi-layered. So let me, I'm going to try to, you know, sure. uh, deal with all of it. Um, yeah, on the day of the raids, in fact, we were launching our doula training program. Um, and this is one program as part of an overall uh, uh, initiative called the Black Power Blueprint that we launched in St. Louis, Missouri in 2017. And that's important okay. because um, 2014 was the murder of Mike Brown in uh, Ferguson, Missouri. And we went in uh, following that to start organizing. So we were organizing there for a couple of years, building a political base there in St. Mm -hmm. Louis. And in 2017, we were able to pursue the development of the Black Power Blueprint. And so we have a, a Huru House Community Center um, in St. Mm -hmm. Louis. We have mm -hmm. um, a One Africa, One Nation marketplace and a, a community garden. So we you know, have a market for Black vendors to come out, sell their goods. And at the same time, we're planting healthy foods and you know, uh, really struggling to put the, you know, the, uh, the ability of food production and distribution in our community's hands. It's in the middle of a food desert. So this is what the Uhuru Movement has done. Put this institution right there in possession of the African working class there. And then uh, again, as part of the initiative, we were launching a doula training program. On the same day of the attack, we were having, you know, um, uh, uh, black women come to the Uhuru House to participate in this um, uh, in this program. And this was part of the work that they're trying to stop, you know, with flashbang grenades and things like that. They're trying to push people out of a process like this. And of course, a doula training program is important for the statistics that you just gave, and in St. Yeah. Louis um, specifically. Um, enough ba black babies die a year in St. Louis to fill 15 kindergarten classrooms a year. So a program like this is instrumental in changing that outcome, changing the fate of black babies in, um, and certainly in St. Louis and being a blueprint for various other places. So yeah. this dual training program, though, we still kicked it off. They couldn't stop us. So we were able to do that program. But right. this is the type of work that we're doing, and the same is true in St. Petersburg, Florida, where they mm -hmm. block off our Uhuru House Community Center, where inside is a commercial kitchen for Black culinary workers, uh, wow. where also we have a radio station. We operate our newspaper outside of, of this building. So you have all these uh, institutions, all of these programs that put power in the hands of Black people, political, economic, and social power in the hands of our people. But sure. therein lies the threat. That's the threat, because when black people yeah. are able to be self-reliant, independent, not having to rely on what it is that our oppressors give us as a sort of don't bite the hand that feeds you type of relationship. When black people say we're going we don't want that relationship. We want to be able to do for ourselves. This means now that not only do they lose the ability to control you in the same way, but it also um, negates their influence in your lives. And the fact is that our oppressors, they live at our expense. Our oppressors did not get everything that they have as a consequence of being thrifty and hardworking. It's a whole history yeah. that has allowed our oppressor to be able to sit on the pedestal that they do now, that, have, that they have acquired the social and economic wealth that they have uh, over the rest of us. That relationship's not coincidental. That's historic. Mm -hmm. and well, so, you know, Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna, I was just gonna add to your point because it's like that you said, don't bite the hand that feeds you. But if it's feeding you crumbs or not feeding you at all, 
then it's like, why in the world are is your hand even there? Right. You know. It's, yeah. You know. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, that's that's true. I mean, the the thing that we get from them to begin with. I mean, think about it. You know, six hundred years, stolen yeah. labor, stolen resources. That relationship has never ended. Never ended. It's transformed in different ways. But the fact that they throw black people in prison, you know, at a at a rate, you know, and how, you know, it's not no secret that prisons are a, a come from a birth of the ending of slavery. So sure. you have you know have this thing where this relationship between exploiting and oppressing black people for the ability for economic gain has never gone away, never. And so when we can understand that relationship, because, you know, the world has been defined to us in a way where our conditions are explained as, well, you're here because of, you know, some, you know, some reason but that basically makes you less than who the oppressor is. But the fact is you're there as a consequence of what has been stolen from you, what continues to be stolen from you. And so the moment you decide that the parasite no longer gets to use me as a host, no longer gets to suck my blood, no longer gets to take the, the value of my labor, my genius and all these things. And I'm going to use it to build my community. That becomes a problem because what does a parasite need? It needs a host. If you take the parasite, if you take the host away from the parasite, the parasite shrivels up, you know, mm -hmm. and, it, and, and it becomes nothing. So this is what the relationship that has historically been there. It's being ruptured now because black yeah. people are saying we want to do for self. Not only do yeah. we not want crumbs, we want what belongs to us. And yeah. And we want to be able to feed, clothe, and house ourselves. We want dignity as a people. And, you know, so this is this is what we've been working for. And that's our crime. That's our crime. So. Yeah. Yeah. The crime of wanting to thrive and exist. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I was just thinking of as you were explaining this to me and the audience as well is that. We have realized that one of the reasons why we're under this oppressive state is because of the economic system that we currently live under. We realized that it was because of the exploitation of a people is the reason why they went across the Atlantic to steal a people bring them here for free labor that's capitalism and so through realizing this we have divorced ourselves from capitalism and went towards a more egalitarian system of course the word socialism is in the name of the organization you represent and i think that's one of the biggest threats mm -hmm. to them and even Fred Hampton said that we won't destroy capitalism with black capitalism, but with socialism. Mm -hmm. And it is missed upon many people that most, if not almost all of our black revolutionaries of the past, and by then I'm talking about W.E.B. Du Bois, I'm talking about the um, Mayor Rustins, I'm talking about the Fannie Lou Hamers, I'm talking about the Angela Davises. They were socialist or communist or Marxist in their ideology, their economic ideology. 
and before we get to the crux of this interview, the, the, the main point of this interview, can you explain why you feel that we have to divorce ourselves from this economic system as well? Because I, I see it as the perpetuation of white supremacy, the perpetuation of imperialism and colonialism. But if you can give in your words what you feel why we need to divorce ourselves from the capitalistic system as well. Yeah, I, I'll start by saying first that the African People's Socialist Party has a distinct worldview and um, that it's defined by a theory called African internationalism, which was mm -hmm. developed by Chairman Amalia Shetela. And mm -hmm. um, it places African people in the proper place and context of history and in the world. Uh, okay. Whereas uh, African people, generally speaking, have been seen as objects of history, something that was, you know, the oppression and colonization of Africa and African people was this sure. uh, necessary stepping stone in history to birth uh, modernity or something like that. And then within that, now we have to struggle uh, uh, to deal with the contradictions of, of cap that capitalism has created. But capitalism was given birth through colonialism, through the colonization of Africa and enslaving African people, making African people the first commodity for sale. This was the birth of an economic system of capitalism. And it didn't just exist in the US. It was mm -hmm. now a mode of production that locked in the rest of the world. And yeah. Europe and the US became on the forefront leading the charge of you know, carrying out the, this colonial mode of production, locking the world into um, this economic order where the oppression and the enslavement of African people was absolutely necessary for an mm. economy to even exist. And yes. so this is that's the that's the birth of this economic system. And it's not a, a place where it just exists over here, exists over there. Everybody's competing for the resources that have been generated on the backs of African people and that continue yes. to be generated off the backs of our people. And so in order for our people, African people, and for the rest of the world, because when we look at, you know, what, what's called capitalism, which we, you know, characterize as colonial capitalism and have gone even further and to say this is a colonial mode of production that if you look at what that's done to the world and the world's peoples, that majority of the peoples on the planet are suffering as a consequence of that social system. That majority mm -hmm. of the, and, and the, the planet itself, you know, dying as a consequence of the imposition of that social system. But the fact is, what we've characterized as modernity today the, has, the, has defined and shaped the whole world. And mm -hmm. at the center of that world has been the colonizer white people themselves has been, you know, right in the center of that world. And so African internationalism places properly African people as the subjects of history, as the as the cornerstone of this global economic system and as the as the fundamental piece that will be a part of overturning this system and creating a whole new world. And this is why this is why one of the slogans we say is the road to socialism is painted black. That you can't have a social, mm. you can't, that can't exist. And that any anti-capitalist has to be anti-colonialism, uh, has to be anti the colonization and oppression of black people in order to be yeah. a genuine anti-capitalist, you know? So, um, yeah. so we, we believe uh, the, the, that 
the correct, you know, to correct society that the means of production and the value of the labor should be controlled by those who produce it themselves, who produce the value in the society. True. That's common sense, you know, you know. Well, like, yeah, it's like, duh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's, this is what we believe in that our people cannot know peace, cannot know dignity and know yeah. true freedom without that, without that. True. So this is um, why, you know, just to answer your question, why we would say we have to divorce ourselves from this system. And um, but the, it, it doesn't mean that, OK, well, the system can still exist and we just leave from it. It, it because black people ourselves are the foundation of that system. So yeah. black people decide to divorce it. It's it's gone. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to, you know, we got to we got to get it out of here. But. Mm -hmm. You know, my thing is, is that to to do that, it means that we need to purge this system off the earth because I liken capitalism to a cancer. And whenever you have an oncologist, they say that they have to get rid of every single vestige of that cancer because even a little bit means it can still fester and grow and then reemerge. So really, the anti-capitalist movement is a global movement in, excuse me, in order for us to purge the system that takes the means of production and puts the profits and the benefits of it at the hands of a very small few. And what they'll do is they'll put a couple of faces that look similar to ours in there to say or to give it justification, mm -hmm. which is really like a cancer cell making itself look like it has aspects of healthy cells when really it's just as detrimental to our health as any other cancer cell. Yep. And so I think that's one of the reasons why your movement is so important now. There is indictments coming mm -hmm. um, that are against you. And the FBI, of course, is listing you and others as co-conspirators because uh, they want to come after you. If you can talk about that a little bit, just so that people know the brevity of the situation. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, I mean, this is a very serious attack, um, you know, on our movement and it can't be something yeah. that is, you know, not regarded as I mean, we have to if we saw the violence, if we saw the length, the extent that they were willing to go in the 60s, we have to, you know, yeah. associate that with this period. And the fact is that this system is fighting for its life because you look out and there is evidence of crisis abound. And in fact, the attack on our movement is a, a is evidence of crisis on their hat on, on their end. I mean, they're they're weak and they're in a very weakened place, you know, in the world, and 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 that's just revealed more and more every day. So, um, this is a statement of their profound weakness and this attack. But it doesn't mean that it they won't do everything that's possible to crush this movement, and that's what they're trying to do with mm -hmm. um, certainly indictments and arrests, charges being made against. Um, <clears throat> leaders of our organization. And we know for, you know, that uh, the, what been characterized as the unindicted co-conspirators, which includes myself, that they are coming after us uh, specifically, but there are others that have also been indicated that they intend to, to indict as well. We, you know, in our, within our movement um, that they intend to, 
indict that weren't listed as co-conspirators. But I, I want to emphasize, I think, um, you know, this attack against the chairman because the chairman is, you know, the, the leader of this organization. He's been involved in the struggle for black power for 60 years, you know, majority of his life. I mentioned that he is 81 years old now and still engaged in this fight and, you know, almost a hundred, you know, close to a hundred years old. And that this attack on the chairman as the leader of this organization and as the, you know, the leader of the African revolution, that putting him in jail is essentially a death sentence. And that this is a, another way to carry out an assassination, a, a legal lynching of Chairman Amalia Shetela. And, you know, so this is something that we have to consider because, you know, they can give you a charge. They can give you multiple counts of that charge, um, mm -hmm. which I think uh, the, the charge that we expect the most, um, I think there's like a minimum of five years. So, you know, it's you lock him up 15, 20 years, you know, and you've essentially removed him from the ability to lead uh, this this organization and the whole this whole struggle. So mm -hmm. I think that um, and of course, the other uh, co-conspirators, you know, myself included that, you know, strategic targets, um, you know, to, to place in jail as a part of trying to jail the revolution, you know, trying to, to jail the struggle that black people have been engaged in to, you know, for freedom and self-determination. So that's what we're looking at. As you mentioned, um, the indictments can come any day now. They, they told us early 2023, they even said as early as January. So um, any day now, uh, this assault can be made. But the thing that we're saying is that we're not afraid of them. And, you know, the fact is, that there is nothing that they can say. There is no way that they can prove the accusations that they've made against us, none whatsoever. And we know that that's not even how, you know, the court systems work. It's not about whether or not you've done anything. It's about whether or not the argument can be convincing. But, you know, mm -hmm. they can't even convince people that this is the case. And we know that because of all the people, including uh, forces like yourself and, you know, uh, countless droves of people who are in support of this organization, who don't necessarily share the same political or ideological beliefs, but they can call BS when they see it. And so, you know, yeah. that they, they won't be able to successfully do this, uh, convincingly do this, and that we're mounting a fight back, you know, a defense strategy in the form of the Hands Off Uhuru, Hands Off Africa campaign. And um, our, our mission is to put the state on trial. They wanna put us on trial. We're going to take that opportunity to make this a landmark case and they're going to have to explain the death of Martin Luther King, the murder of Malcolm X, the murder of Fred Hampton and the in, in the organizations, the surveillance of black people. They're going to have to speak to that. They're going to have to speak to the crime of, of genocide against our people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the question of reparations, they're going to have to deal with all of this. They want to take yeah. this. To trial, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to add to your point, they're going to have to also answer for the incarceration and murder of George Jackson, the the incarceration of Asada Shakur, and the fact that she had to uh, exile herself to Cuba. There's so many different crimes against uh, us yeah. that have been done that needs to be answered for. These are international crimes. These are crimes against humanity that have never been answered and we have never received any type of recompense for that needs to be answered as well. Yes. And so this is why, and, and you even ran for office on the campaign of reparations as well because the Japanese got reparations. 
the Jews in, in Germany are still getting reparations. Even slave owners got reparations. Mm -hmm. Where's ours? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a question that a lot of people just don't ask themselves because they're not taught to ask themselves that question. And I, I think part of it is because there this gulf between critical thinking that has been done, especially within our public school system, because who really owns and runs the public school system is not really the people. It's the people who own the politicians. It's the oligarchs and people like that. So I think that is a really great thing to keep in the mind. Mm -hmm. One of the authors and co-authors, co I should say, of the website 10 Demands for Justice is Nick Cruz. He's my uh, comrade on Revolutionary Blackout Network. This is a website that is talks about defunding the police on the road to abolition. And so um, I can also recommend that to you if you guys want to give that a read. But that is a great website to talk about the road to abolition because we know that the police themselves are also an occupying military force within this country, really designed to put us back in chattel slavery, even though, by the way, slavery never ended because it's still allowed in the 13th Amendment. This is what I tell my audience all the time. But, you know, I, I can also, you know, submit that to you as well if you guys want to take that, give that a look. But that is also a great resource as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, if I could, I want to speak on the elections. Um, uh, sure briefly, because this is something that came up in the indictment and uh, part of what they're using as evidence to charge us uh, of, uh, you know, being agents of, uh, of Russia. And that they said uh, part of it is that the, the elections that we ran um, in 2017 mm -hmm. were a part mm -hmm. of uh, some Russian plot. And, yeah. you know, it was, you know, it was funded and instructed by the Russian government, et cetera. So this is what they've sure. said. And again, uh, I've, you know, I've mentioned how we just have to be absolutely insulted by this accusation. But I want to, um, you know, just draw on history, too, because black people in this country, as a means of fighting for freedom and political power, have fought and died for the right to vote and have fought and died for the right to access a, the electoral arena, which doesn't just include voting, but includes running people for office. And um, the African working class has been able to utilize the electoral arena. You know, this movement, um, you know, while we we have an understanding that freedom is not voted on, but, you know, our struggle can be parts of our, you know, can be advanced. The demands of our people like reparations can be won, you know, in the electoral arena and can win, you know, masses of people. And this is what we did in 2017. We we were covered in Ebony magazine as you know, millennial for change. Uh, we put reparations on the ballot for the first time in U.S. history. This happened in St. Petersburg, Florida. We put reparations on the ballot. Um, that was the cornerstone of our campaign. And mm -hmm. it got national coverage. It was, you know, uh, covered by the Breakfast Club um, at one point. And Barack Obama, the former U.S. president, endorsed our content, you know, the, the contending candidate opposing reparations to black people. Oh. And God. when does that happen? You know, a U.S. president comes into a city election and endorses a city election, a city election and endorses your opponent. So this is a clear statement 
of an attack against the demand for reparations to black people. But we have the audacity to do it anyway. And this yeah. is what um, is being labeled as a, a threat to U.S. democracy, that this, this was some Russian plot. And the fact is that, you know, we decided we were going to intervene in the electoral arena. We were not going to leave it dominated by the oppressor and by the forces that, like you said, the force who look like us, but don't speak in our interests at all. And then we call them the petty bourgeoisie and mm -hmm. um, who, who want us, you know, who want to be the bourgeoisie, uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, who struggle for that same position. Um, but mm -hmm. you know, so we have these forces who dominate the electoral arena most of the time. But our intervention, um, you know, was extremely problematic for them. And so uh, this is, again, something that they're using to assault us. But. And, but the same way in which Black people are being targeted right now for just participating in electoral politics is something that's happened to our people historically. I mean, oh, yeah. where we've been faced with white mobs, you know, for trying to go to polling places. I mean, brutalized, beaten, water hosed, you know, <laughs> church bombs and things like that. I mean, against our people. And Chairman Amali <laughs> Shell himself, he, in, in part of how he got his start was organizing people in Madison, Florida, to, to, to vote. And he was... And... Yes, yeah, sorry. And and uh, because we're in Florida, the Okoye massacre that a lot of people didn't know about, all because Black people dared to vote, there was a massacre of Black people that were trying to vote here in Okoye. Okoye's what? Uh, 15, 20 minutes away from me? Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, you know, a couple of hours, like an hour and a half drive away from you, that literally happened here in Florida. Yeah. And, I mean... So that's it. That's the history of a repression and attacks against black people for for doing something simple as trying to be able to participate in electoral politics. So this attack on our movement for and we have to also see it as, you know, a violation of the Voting Rights Act that gave black people the right to vote. You know, it's yes. this is what they're attacking, our ability to participate in that process. So I just wanted to to raise that as well, because, you know, it's just really profound because we we again, we have to connect this to a history of attacks against our movement, not just some isolated, random thing. This is a whole history that is exists and has changed face and form at different times, but it's the same thing, same thing. Mm -hmm. What do you say to especially a lot of African peoples here in the United States that have said to themselves, electoralism is dead, I am not for it. What do you say to those? Because there's a lot of people. There's even people who I'm associated with because I, I'm either for third parties or I'm for independence, but that's as far as I'll go because the Democratic Party and Republican parties are, number one, they're anti-Black. Number two, they are pro-capitalist and they are against workers. So I do not, um, I do not run in that same camp anymore. I have divorced myself from the duopoly but what do you say to people who are just completely divorced themselves who said no to electoralism totally mm -hmm. do, do you still have an embrace of them and say still organize or do you say no give electoralism another shot what what is your thoughts well i think first of all i would say i understand <laughs> and um i think yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, in our organizing work, especially around those campaigns, I mean, we were organizing in, you know, our community, African community. 
um, mm -hmm. who most oftentimes are not even uh, supposed to participate in elections. And, and what I mean by that is when elections are happening, you don't even know they're going on because they do not include you or struggle for your participation at all. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, so when we're organizing these communities, even talking about an election, people don't even know elections are even happening. And they didn't know that they were happening until we were involved in the process. So, yeah. um, you know, we and, you know, people were already disenchanted because I mean, for especially for black people in this country, voting has always, you know, been this this thing that. It was no guarantee. Um, and I think part of, uh, again, looking at history where when black people did get the right to vote, we have to look at what the situation was. I mean, our whole revolutionary movement, the black power movement and the, and the demand for black power was under assault and had effectively been crushed. So by the time black people had the right to vote, the black agenda had been removed and replaced by something else totally. So. Mm -hmm. You know, we we lost the Malcolm X, we lost, you know, the Kings and all of those forces, and they were replaced by other so-called black leaders, you know, who oh, didn't yeah. genuinely represent our interests. So that's that's part of it. But so we've always had this relationship with the electoral mm -hmm. process. And more and more, it's you know, revealed, especially with the, you know, most oftentimes people are told to vote Democrat or vote Republican. These are the you know, the primary things that you're told to do. And mm -hmm. um, and so but people are disenchanted, disillusioned by it. It's, you know, it's mm -hmm. so secret that these are sectors of the white ruling class for control of the state, you know, yeah. that, and, and that's what it is. And that, that reality is exposed, I think, even more. So people are more and more, um, you know, they stray away from electoral politics. And so mm -hmm. I would say that um, the people have every right to uh, feel, um, uh, dis, you know, uh, to, to lose confidence in that system. And um, what we have, you know, struggled to do is to use the electoral arena, you know, to our advantage, to the extent that's possible. So mm -hmm. one, you know, we would, we should organize, if we're going to use the electoral arena, we should organize and we should be very, you know, uh, clear about what our objectives are in engaging in electoral politics. And two, that whole voter die mess, that whole, you know, uh, two evils types of, you know, mess that we're constantly confronted with. We have to absolutely demand that anybody who is struck, who wants to say they want to represent us, they have to speak to our interests and especially black politicians that it's not enough to vote for them because they're black, but they have to be able to support reparations to black people. They have to be able to support the demands that uplift our community and speak for us, speak for us. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so not say what they're supposed to say, the status quo or anything like that, but to actually represent us and to run with a platform that speaks to uplifting our community. That's what we have to demand of them. And if there is no politician that will do it, we become them ourselves. You know, we become the mm -hmm. candidate and our community is the one that organizes and puts forward these forces so that these forces then are held accountable to the same community that's organizing for them to win. So there's a way in which we can participate in the electoral arena without totally abandoning it. Um, but again, we do not have to be and should not be satisfied with the options that are presented um, you know, before us. And I wouldn't recommend that to anybody, you know, just because that's who that's who they have. So that's who you got to vote, you know. Mm -hmm. No. And also electoral politics is not the be all end all. And that's the other aspect of that. Yeah. Organizing happens 
on different levels. And that's what the Uhuru movement does. I mean, we use electoral politics, but we engaged in political struggle in so many different arenas all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and this can also be done on the local level. I know me and uh, Savvy talk about uh, you don't have to always look at the national politics. You can also do local. I don't care if it's for dog catcher. It could be for school board. It could be for city council, city controller. I'm not sure exactly how you feel about the Green Party. I do know that they had reparations on their platform for quite some time. Um, but I do see them as a slightly more viable option. Um, they typically are socialist. Um, but you have them. You have PSL, Party for, Social, for Socialism and Liberation. You also have Social Alternative. These are also groups that are also, you know, for the liberation of people, but they're not specifically African, but there could be coalitions with them. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, but, you know, just like you said, you know, and I think there's a phrase that says all politics is local. And so because of that, then you use that as a vehicle. And like, for instance, you, you all have a community garden, things like that. And you can use that as part of the apparatus to build up the community and say, look, I may be running, but also here's a look at the community garden. And if you guys want to, we can actually repeat that in different parts and sectors in the city so that everybody can have more healthy food. Also, there's an inflation. Well, inflation, I like to call, you know, price gouging going on, you know, national, well, internationally, yes. So if you guys want to save some money, let's do that. Hey, y'all got some chickens? Let's start making some eggs because I ain't paying no $9.99 for no eggs, you know? <laughs> so, you know, you guys can do that. There's so many different things, and it's building uh, what a, a friend of mine, um, Kamali Rose, he said, building dual power, right? And I think that's what, the, that's what you guys are trying to do. I think that's one of the reasons why you're considered to be so dangerous, right? Yeah, I mean, our our um, the chairman's actually put forward the concept of dual and contending power. So, you know, oh. you have, yeah, so you have a, uh, this uh, situation. We talked about this earlier in terms of negating the influence of the colonizer, you know, negating the influence of, you know, the, the oppressor in your community and over your affairs. And so, um, yeah. you know, not only are you, uh, you know, and, and the way in which you contend is by actually putting in place the institutions and the practices of, you know, uh, of, of something else totally that, again, you know, it removes their influence in your community. So you don't have to rely on them to, to do something. You don't need a politician to come and say, OK, fine, we'll allocate resources to so and so. We're just going to do it ourselves. And we collect, we come together as a community, organize that and um, that process and and then put it down on the ground. And and that um, and yeah, as we said, is dangerous because. Not only do black people now don't need this social system for anything, but we it comes it runs into a limitation, not the dual and contending power, but the the, the system itself, which exploits black people, it runs into a limitation because it's not able to do that anymore in the same old way. That creates the crisis within the economy when it's not able to rely on and suck the blood of your people and exploit you. This is the thing that, you know, creates the shambles. That's why, you know, there is war in all these various other places for their resources. And when those same um, 
colonized people who are refusing, you know, uh, colonialism, who are refusing U.S. imperialism, fight back. There's a crisis. There's a spike in oil costs. There's, you know, all of these things are located in a struggle where the host refuses to be that anymore for the parasite. So this becomes a serious problem for um, a dominating uh, economic system that requires the exploitation and oppression of the people. So mm -hmm. you put power, political economic power in um, the colonized the colonized hands, you know, then again, like I said, you run into a, a real serious issue. So um, yeah, but dual and contending power is extremely critical and it's how we get to the point of, of totally eliminating the system itself altogether. So, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that's the path. Cool, yeah, and in the last few minutes, while I still have you here, I want to focus on what others can do, what the people, what our viewers can do, you know, not just monetarily, but also they do, they can do themselves within your own community. Of course, if you guys wish, you know, you can join the African People's Socialist Party. Uh, I hear they're great. So <laughs> do that. Um, but I had this up for a little while, but I also want to put it back up again. This is the the link to also donate to the Ahuru movement. This is for the legal costs for you guys so that you guys have proper and adequate legal representation. Excuse me, because this is also deeply important. I'm also going to put the link into the chat as well because that's important um but what can people do not just monetarily but even just materially and rhetorically what can they do in order to assist the african people's socialist party especially people who may be outside of it mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say to definitely join the Hands Off Uhuru defense campaign, the Hands Off Uhuru, Hands Off Africa campaign. And there are multiple ways in which you can be part of this campaign, the ways in which you can be a part of the defense. And um, part of uh, uh, what we're doing now um, uh, is, is this discussion that we're having um, because they part of what they want to do is to sweep this under the rug. As you said, um, you know, a raid a week later happened and it took and you know took this out of the media cycle. So this was no longer the thing that dominated even though this threat weighs heavily, you know, over the lives of of people and over this movement. So we can't let that happen. We have to blast this out everywhere as far and wide as possible. So platforms such as yours and um, others, you know, who have, you know, platforms who can extend them um, and just to share the content, the information of this campaign is is part of that fight back. You can organize a hands off a rude defense committee in your community. You can, you know, um, you know, pull together and win other forces to go out and distribute literature, put up posters and organize local events and forums and, and things of that nature to bring more awareness of this campaign, but to also win more people to be part of it. Um, this is an international campaign. So everywhere you're located, you can be part of this and organize a committee. Um, we have the website handsoffahru.org, which features all of the outreach materials to take out into your community. It has different information like our events calendar. We recent, we re, uh, yesterday actually did a national MLK Day of Actions. So there were actions that happened you know, all throughout uh, this country. 
And, um, you know, various people had up their posters, hands off of her and they put their city there. So, you know, this is, um, again, just the extent of the where, you know, the movement and where people are organizing and things like that. So that's stuff that you can do. And um, you can also take the emergency response pledge. So when indictments do come down, you are the first to know that indictments have come. And this is how this is what you need to do. This is how you need to jump into action, this demonstration, etc. So um, all the information is available up on our hands off website. Um, we have a, an event coming up uh, this, um, the 21st, January 21st, so I'll build the anti-colonial defense, where we'll have Chairman Amali Chatella, Ward, Churchill, and others from the uh, uh, various anti-colonial struggle and front um, will be participating um, in this event. So highly encourage people to come to that as well. And But yeah, there's really no limit to what people can do. Uh, resources, of course, uh, over, I think, $150,000 are needed to mount the legal uh, defense itself. And um, so there's definitely lots of resources to be uh, raised. But again, everything, anything that you can contribute um, to this whole campaign, your skills, your time, volunteering, things like that, we're calling on you because this is your movement. This is your struggle. And the attack on us, you know, we've heard people say is an, an, an attack on all black people, uh, certainly, and, you know, an attack on, you know, the, uh, the, the supposed rights that black people have of freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of association, these things, you know, this is an attack on all of that. So, you know, if people can recognize that and unite that this is something that cannot happen and Chairman Amalia Chitella cannot step foot in prison, um, then we ask you to, to come on board with this uh, campaign in, in whatever way you can. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you so very much. I appreciate that very much. And, you know, just to the last uh, couple minutes while I still have you here, um, what last uh, lasting words do you want for people to know and understand about this movement, as well as any parting words for our audience as well? Yes. Well, first, I want to just really appreciate, again, you for extending your platform uh, to us. I mean, it really is an honor to, you know, uh, be on this platform, but also to see the uh, the support, the overwhelming support and just the the fact that uh, what they anticipated, which was to isolate our movement from the people, especially by saying that, you know, they are Russian agents and, you know, oh, the big bad Russia, be scared of Russia, um, you know, that they attempted to you know, make people afraid of us. And what we've seen is the exact opposite. People running towards, you know, this movement to defend it um, and to push back against state repression. So I just want to appreciate you and your stance and the, the stance of your, you know, your audience and all of you for participating in this discussion. And, um, you know, just uh, in closing, I would say one, go to handsoffahru.org for all information regarding this campaign. And, <clears throat> that this is a really profound moment in history. The world is changing. And I'm sure everybody is, is seeing that, is able to see that. Um, but for those who aren't very clear on what's happening, the world is changing. And the, the old system that we've experienced, what we've characterized as colonial capitalism is dying away. And it's fighting for its life. And that's what an attack on our movement represents is a fight for its life. But the fact is, even as it fights, even as violent as it can get, that it cannot survive. And the peoples around the world and history demands it, you know, that a new world be ushered in. And that's what we're in the process of creating. 
And so um, we cannot retreat. We will not relent, you know, that this is just the beginning. And we should be very confident after this attack that we can be and will be victorious because they don't attack somebody that's not a threat. That's not winning. You know what they say? You ain't doing something right if you don't got a couple haters. This is what we're <laughs> You know, <laughs> on, a, on a, a much you know bigger scale, <laughs> you know, because we're doing something right. We're on the right side of this question, you know, on the right yeah. side of history, and you know that's what we have to have total conviction in. Um, as we as we go up against this machine, but uh, again, a rusted machine that don't got the same fight in it that it had, you know, even a decade ago. So we are winning, and again, uh, hands off, Uhuru hands off Africa and uh, hands off Chairman Amalia Shetela. And there was a saying um, in the 60s uh, when Huey P. Newton was being locked up, um, the free Huey, P free Huey Newton or the sky is the limit. And I think I can get away with that on YouTube. So, you know, hands off of her or the sky is the limit. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Miss Akile Anayi uh, at the African People's Socialist Party, the Ahuru Movement. I appreciate you so very much, and I can't wait to have you back on. And I would also love to have you on RBM Revolutionary Blackout Network to also talk about what's going on further as well. Absolutely, anytime. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye bye. Oh. <sighs> You know, it's interviews like that where it sparks within you a sense of outrage as to how our government treats people who are the most disenfranchised among us. And the mere fact that this movement is doing so many good things for the community and yet they're seen as a threat. A hit dog will holler, right? They're scared. They are, they are frightened right now because they're seeing that, especially with a lot of us that are of the younger generations, they're seeing a lot of us that are now going, this system doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. For a lot of us, it hasn't worked for our parents. It's not going to work for our kids. So why are we still clinging to this system? And they'll drag out some of the capitalists and say, hey, take a look. This person looks just like you. They're millionaires, they're billionaires. But the crazy part about it is they're the exception, not the rule. And so when you talk about a liberation for all of us, and this extends outward to everybody, right? 
that's a threat to power. Because they won't stop until they own everything. That's this system. This is what we're fighting against. I had on Miss Akile and Ai. One, because this story doesn't get enough coverage. You're not really going to hear this that much on corporate news. Or if you do, they're going to try to paint a narrative that they are Russian colluders. When in reality, they are just, we are just a people that are looking to live a life of dignity and to thrive. But apparently within the Imperial Corps, that's a crime. Hmm. It's a crime to thrive. It's a crime to have an egalitarian society where the most disenfranchised people are no longer disenfranchised. It's interesting, isn't it? To the oppressed, equality feels like oppression. I repeat myself. To the privileged, I should say, equality feels like oppression. The billionaires feel like if you take their capacity from being billionaires away, that's a crime against them. When really, them being billionaires is the crime. It is the crime. The fact that we have a white supremacist structure is a crime. The fact that we have any supremacist structure is a crime. Ay, ay, ay. Thanks, JM, for this super chat. Appreciate it. So good to see you. JM's also a JB member. Uh, Mr. Fly, who is also a JB member, says, Hello, JB. I need to connect with you on a personal level on SSDI, mental and newly physical. Can you tell me how to DM you? I have a problem. Um, you can go to my email. Um, put my email in the chat. And you can email me. There you go. But yeah, it, it you know, and this that's part of the system. It has subjected us to, and has continued to subject us to. And you know, one of the reasons why so many young people are now turning away from capitalism. The reason why a lot of young people are turning away from capitalism now. It's because it hasn't worked for them. And we see the damage that it does. It's like...
It's like jumping on somebody's back when you were very little. You got grandpa. And you're three years old and you jump on his back. And you hear him go, oh, ho, ho, ho. Right? But then you keep doing it. And he still keeps on making that sound. Oh, ho, ho, ho. You jump on his back. Because you think it's fun. And you don't know any better. Until you realize you're hurting grandpa. And you've been hurting grandpa the entire time. Now that you know you're hurting grandpa, are you going to stop? Yeah, you may not be able to jump on him. Right? But you still have grandpa around. You won't break his back. That's like having keeping capitalism around. Some of you have had it good. And you kept jumping on the disenfranchised over and over your entire life. Thinking that everything's fine. Until you realize the damage you've been doing. The damage that the oligarchs have been doing. The damage that white supremacy has been doing. Now that you know it's been hurting us, do you have the compassion? Do you have the empathy to stop? To say, you know what? We don't need this system anymore. The system's not working for all of us. We need a system that's more equal, more equitable, more egalitarian. Let's stop this system. Or are you going to blame the people for having the bad back? Because you've been jumping on it. For years. Are you going to blame them? Like Dr. King said, capitalism has worn out its usefulness. It was useful for a select few. But now, as our liberation grows, it's no longer useful for the masses of people. This is why the African People's Socialist Party and the Yehudah movement are so important. So, yeah. Let's go to the chat. Check your email, December 26th. Okay, I'll check it. Make sure to check that. John Chaos says, why are young people turning away from cancer? Boom. Why are they turning away from it? Brent Hudgens says, my parents always ask why so many young people are so angry. And I asked a rhetorical question, 
what do they have to be happy about? Great response. Answer a question with a question. Yeah, even Miss Alita is <laughs> co-signing. Hey, it's good to see you, Miss Alita. Upstate Raider says, according to multiple reports and sources close to Tom's hardware, Intel and Microsoft have quietly resumed operations and a basic level of support in Russia. Interesting. Thank you. Brent Hudgens, I love my parents, but they can't list one thing really. After all, they spent a lot of time in support of the duopoly polarization. I think that's one of the problems with the older generation is a lot of them are propagandized. But somebody said this in a TikTok, and it, it just it's a light bulb moment for me. Oh. The reason why a lot of boomers get a, there's such a divide between a lot of boomers and a lot of millennials, especially the millennials and Gen Z, is because a lot of the boomers that were based were killed. They were oppressed and killed so that they never got to be boomers that are in their 70s and 80 years old. They never got to live long enough. Our revolutionaries that are black, a lot of them are either still in prison or they are dead. They never got to make it to boomer status. They're, they're gone. They were wiped from existence. So who's left? So this is why there's a huge gulf because you have a, a portion of people who stayed with the status quo that kept on living while some of their generation got whacked off. Well, I'm sorry, that's the wrong way to say it. They got erased. And so now they fell off. And the people who still kept the status quo, they kept on living. Fred Hampton's not that wasn't that much older than my mother. Fred Hampton would be 74, maybe 75 now. Fred Hampton is old enough to be my father. He could have been my father. But they're gone. I'm going to say something that's going to make some people a little bit scared. But don't be surprised if it happens to many of us millennials. But that fight continues. Because we know that capitalism is on its way out. We know that it's on its death now. There are some of us that are still around that are boomers.
but there's not enough. This is why we have to make the amount of us so great, so populous among our younger generations that there's nothing that they can do. And the next massive population that's going to reach the more massive voting age will be millennials. Gen X, I, for some reason, I feel like Gen X isn't that big of a population. They're a significant population, but I feel like millennials are just a little bit bigger of a population. But yeah. Oh, that was a tough thing to talk about, but it's true. Sula Moon says, I'm just glad that my former Republican boomer hubby has seen the light. He's a socialist now. Congratulations. Congratulations on him seeing the light. Catarell says, was well, just listening, but JB, you should do an entire show on this truth. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Brent Hudgens says, very true, JB, and many boomers elected to collect things and millennials seem to gravitate to experience, which is a fairly distinct difference in priorities while alive. Thank you so much. Mr. Fly says, King, so Martin Luther King Jr. would still be alive too. Yeah. Raziel said, uh, capitalism is in the ICU. Well, we need to get him out of the ICU and just pull the plug. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to kick the plug out of the wall, and you got some people holding us back, like, stop it. We're like, no, it has to die. It has abused people long enough. Gen X me was too small to overpower boomers. Yeah, we have to let time take care of it. Sweary Fairy says, I can't even get my mother to accept that food shortages are inevitable. Drives me completely nuts. It's happening now. It's happening now. Oh, goodness. Lucretia Williams, love your work, JB. Oh, thank you. I'm always I'm always happy when you tune in. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot, actually. I I know what you mean. <laughs> thank you so much. Let me go to, to Rockfin. Let me um hang on, I'll go back to Rockfin in a second because Rockfin freezes sometimes. And it just, it annoys me. Now, the young lady that we had on, Miss Akile and I. I want to share with you guys one of the reasons why I was so excited to have her on. 
while I have a couple minutes left. She was at a press conference. And... <laughs> oh, man, she was spitting facts here. So let's go. I think that this exposes the crisis that the U.S. that U.S. imperialism is in. Because the U.S. and other world colonial powers have been collaborating against Russia for well early into the early 1900s. And this is a consequence right now in 2022 that we see the same attack against Russia. And right now, this this war on you with Ukraine, this defensive war in Ukraine that Russia is actually waging against world colonial powers, not Ukraine as a single entity, but the U.S. and all colonial powers who have an interest in colonially dominating African people right here in this country and around the world and extracting resources from the majority of peoples on the planet. That system, this current system, is in severe crisis and they cannot rule in the same old way. By the way, I think this may end up getting demonetized because any mention of the country that starts with a U and rhymes pro 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 propane, the tube doesn't like that. But hey, unfortunately, I, I may get demonetized. But that's the way it is. Because, well, <laughs> she's speaking facts. Anyway. Let's continue. So that's what we want about the government and the ruling class itself states that imperialism is on the decline. U.S. power is not it's not cyclical, but it is permanent. So that's number one. Number two, the African People's Socialist Party is an organization that has been here for 50 years. It is an international organization that not organizes just here in St. Petersburg, Florida, but right there in St. Louis, Missouri, in Oakland, California, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and all throughout the U.S., in Africa, in Europe. And the history of the African People's Socialist Party is to unite any with any forces that unite with the anti-colonial struggle. And we feel that is a just struggle. We feel that every colonized African who was gunned down in the city of St. Peter, anywhere else in this country, like George Floyd or like Mike Brown, we feel that our response is to fight against that relationship. Our, our responsibility is to fight against our oppression and our domination. And that means organizing a revolutionary capacity to make that possible. And that means that we unite with any force because we understand that colonialism is a global system and that it has interests everywhere throughout the world. Um, y'all, y'all, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. This is why I had her on. It struggles for true democracy. This is what it does to the people. So, no, I did not enter this work being afraid or thinking that this was a bad decision. I follow the leadership of Chairman Amalia Chatella and African internationalism, and it does not steer me wrong. So there's never a concern that this planet has, again, working with us. It doesn't matter what we, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what we do. And you're not willing to say that you did not take money. I'm not willing to say anything without my lawyer present. <laughs> I'm not willing to say anything without my lawyer present. I will not confirm that for you. No, he was not arrested. He was put in handcuffs as well as well as our deputy chair on his Chatella. There's a gentleman that kept um there was a gentleman that kept questioning and trying to paint this narrative 
that there was a collusion with Russia. That there was, oh, you guys, why don't you denounce Russia? And it's like, what? number one, we're willing to work with anybody that is anti-colonial. Like, what part of that don't you understand? If they're fighting against the colonizer, then I guess we have to, you know, combine powers with them. Okay, fine. If, it, you know, it's just like with Cuba. <laughs> if they're fighting against the colonial powers, or if it was Venezuela, or if it was DPRK, you know, they they killed Thomas Sankara. They killed Muammar Gaddafi. Why? Because they were fighting against colonial power. Because colonial power considers anyone that resists them to be a terrorist. Even though they're the ones going to them to extract their resources and terrorize them. Terrorists, let me put this down. Terrorists Consider freedom fighters to be terrorists. Terrorists consider freedom fighters to be terrorists. It's this weird psychosis. Because they feel that They should be able to determine the fate of other people beyond their consent. I know what you need better than what you know that you need. <laughs> and people wonder why we got rape culture in this country. Consent. What's that? That's what the United States says. <sighs> they also never authored the 1994 crime bill. They also never put my, or or should say our ancestors in chains. I mean, they never mass incarcerated us. They weren't kneeling on the neck of George Floyd. China and Russia never... Were they the ones... that kill people like Emmett Till? What about Brianna Taylor? Was that Russia?
did they did they imprison Asada Shakur under false pretenses? What about George Jackson? Did Russia do that? What about our schools? Did Russia underfund our schools? Uh, it's, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's weird. Let me go. To, let me go here real quick because people just do not read. By the way, I said this, and I'll, I'll say this on um on RBN. I'm gonna say it with my whole chest. If you have, if you hate socialists, you have something in common with Nazis. If you hate socialists, you have something in common with Nazis. That's you. Anyway, let me show this. Let me show this tweet, tweet thread really quick. Let me see. Where is it? Oh wait. No, that's not where it was. Okay, I found it. All right. That little musical number. Now, let me share my screen really quick. Share the screen, share the screen. All right, so I put out a tweet. I said, is it safe to say that NATO was a horrible idea? <laughs> the NAFO accounts, they, they were, ugh, they were triggered. Oh, dear God, they were triggered. They're calling me an idiot. They're saying that my daddy should have pulled out. They're saying all types of stuff. They're like, yo, you are horrible. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, what was really the point of NATO? Wasn't it? Hang on, hang on. Let me ask you this question. Wasn't it the communists that defeated the Nazis? If there were ones that defeated the fascists and we're against fascism, then why are we? Why are we trying to take out the commies? Why are we trying to take out the Soviets if they're the ones that defeated the fascists? If they're the ones that defeated the enemies of the people, the ones that were trying to take us out, 
And why are they, how are they our enemy? Doesn't make sense. Hmm? Lord and Lord, some people just don't read. Of course, I had to advertise the stream because, well, <laughs> you know, Akila and IE was based. I also said I find it funny that people who have Ukraine flags in their Ukraine flags in their bio don't have a Yemeni or Palestinian flags in their bio. And I said, man, Elon Musk must really need to take care of these mouthful trolls. And so, yeah. They're willing to back up a country that has Nazis in it, that are blonde hair, blue eyed, but when it comes to people fighting for their liberation in the Gaza Strip, <laughs> they have nothing to say. They have nothing to talk about. They have the IDF literally, you know, committing genocide against them and their country. And they have nothing to say. You literally have Saudi Arabia committing a genocide against the people in Yemen and bombing people with the bombs that are literally created and manufactured here in the United States. And we're our Governments literally selling it to them, committing atrocities against people in Yemen, and they have nothing to say about that. The atrocities that are happening in Somalia, they have nothing to say about that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What about the atrocities that are happening in the Congo? The crimes they did in Burkina Faso? Oh, no, they ain't got nothing to say about that. What about the atrocities that they're that they're committing in Haiti? Nothing to say about that. No, 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 no. Dare, dare they say anything about that? This is why education is so important. That's why we got to talk about these things. <sighs> this is why black people, especially black people, need to start reading up on foreign policy because this tells you the trends of what your oppressor is doing. Study your oppressor. I'm talking to everybody, but especially my people. Study your oppressor. And don't just go by the accounts of what the oppressor says or their corporate media. Go to outside sources. Go to the sources where people mock. Hell, RT is a great place to start. You can look at people like Danny Haifong. You can look at people like Margaret Kimberly, Richie Medhurst. You can go to Fiorella Isabel and and uh, Craig Jardel. Pasta. <laughs> Sorry. I forgot how to pronounce his last name. You can go to a lot of these different resources. You can go to Aaron Mate and Max Blumenthal. 
You can go to so many people who are outside of the Imperial Corps and their stenographers. Study your oppressor. Know who they are and see what they're doing against other victims of colonization, other victims of imperialism, other victims of capitalism. And then build people up and let them know what's going on. And let them know that they have power. And that's the reason why they want to get rid of the African People's Socialist Party. So I got to get going. But thank you so much to Akile and Ai. Also, let me share just one more time. where you can donate to their defense fund. So it's opencollective.com forward slash hands off Uhuru. All right. I'm going to put this in this in the chat really quick so you guys can contribute there as well. And here is their page. Actually, let me put this banner up as well, just so that people can see it on the rewatch. There you go. Because organizations like this are very, extremely important. And you have different types of donations, right? So, just do what you can. All right. Thank you so very much to everyone that has contributed to them. Thank you so very much to anybody that has contributed to me, including Super Chats, anybody that's contributed to me via various platforms for, you know, mutual aid. And thank you to all the patrons on Patreon as well as Coffee. For without you guys, I would not be able to do this. Uh, of course, I will be getting into the further reading of Asada Shakur's autobiography as well as Dirty Truths by Michael Parenti. We'll be getting into that. I know I've been slacking a little bit, but I got to get back on those because those are also very important because reading theory as well as the books from revolutionaries is also very deeply important to this channel. And be sure to catch RBN Live. It's going to be a good one. We have a lot to talk about. And, uh-oh, Evelyn. Evelyn says, if you tremble with indignation at every injustice, then you are a comrade of mine. Dr. Ernesto Che Guevara. Yes. Did you guys know that Che Guevara was actually a doctor? <laughs> Education is elevation, people. Anywho, I just want to thank all of you 
for tuning in. You guys are wonderful. Look, water your plants, water yourselves. Leave the world better than you found it. And by the way, the word Uhuru is a Swahili for freedom and independence. Never forget that. And oh yeah, Mwah. forehead kisses, hands off Uhuru. Love you.